0: We're going to be talking about the Inflation Reduction Act on this week's Renew Guru. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. I'm Executive Director of Renew Missouri, James Owen, coming to you live on tape from our palatial studios in North Columbia. I am joined... Not in his producing capacity today, but as I guess co host, not really guest, Philip Fresico.
1: Yes, hey Philip, thanks James.
0: Yeah, so (laughs) so we are recording this. Uh, I'm gonna timestamp this a little bit. It's Friday afternoon, uh, neither one of us should be working, but that's how committed we are to this to this effort. Uh, we're, we're, I believe the House is debating yes. the Inflation Reduction Act as we speak. Yep. Um, now, this is important to us for a lot of different reasons. The main reason it's particularly important to renew Missouri is because, like, look, two weeks ago, a little over two weeks ago now, we thought that all these clean energy proposals that had been discussed about the Build Back Better package uh, was dead. Now, B-B-B-D-O-A. <laughs> yes. Looked very grim there. Looked very grim. And you, you know, and we've had a podcast discussion about this before. You have really kind of taken the charge for Renew Missouri in regards to this rural like, cooperative work and, yep. you know, us pushing for this co-op plan, which, again, remind our listeners, what have we been pushing for? So many great things within so many great things, <laughs> but uh, specifically
1: the really the big picture piece we've been pushing for yes, is the opportunity for co ops to retire their fossil fuel assets and reinvest locally in themselves and their communities to bring clean energy programs and other great energy adjacent programs to member owners across the state.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, and we've kind of talked about that a little bit like the biggest challenge that rural electric cooperatives have, particularly in Missouri, is we are our co-ops burn a lot of coal yep there's a number on that you like to share it on um? we're
1: the second most reliant in the country second Yep.
0: <laughs> and that seems that seems high on that list it um, is. so we're the second I mean we're the second la- like our co-ops are the, are the second highest coal burning uh, you know rural electric cooperatives in, in the state in the country, yep. they have a lot of USDA-backed debt in those coal plants because, I mean, yep. as we all know, uh, or maybe we all don't know, but rural electric cooperatives are nonprofits. Yep, they are. You know, kind of given that authority by the federal government, they get money. They can get financing that sort of thing from the federal government yep. to build things. Whereas opposed to, like, let's say if you're an investor owned utility like Ameren or Evergy or Liberty Empire, you simply seek that capital out through more traditional means like Wall Street, big banks, and then you try to recover those through your rates. And then municipal utilities, they want to build something, they usually issue bonds yep. that requires the vote of those uh, ratepayers. Yep. Am I getting too much detail here? You're kind of looking at me like, "Why is he talking about this?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's good to uh, di- differentiate. Yes, that, this well, is not something that we can, you know, apply to municipal utilities. It's not something that IOUs can get. It's exclusive to our co-ops.
0: I think of myself as a teacher, Philip, so I want to make sure everyone's, you know, learning a little bit about this. So, so folks, so the idea is. <laughs> They, you know, some of this money that we've been proposing would be to help reduce that debt, and then ultimately they could close those plants down faster and start this transition to clean energy, which, quite frankly, the co-ops in Missouri, anyway, are really bad at yes. clean energy.
1: <laughs> yeah, we have, we have, we have yeah. a few. We have a few example projects of community solar. You know, Platt Clay has theirs, Boone has theirs here in Columbia. So, we're starting to see some, but beyond that, we haven't really seen a lot at the local level from the distribution co-ops. We have seen their mix, you know, add a little bit more of clean energy yeah. in there, but compared to their colleagues and compared to utilities in the United States in general, they're very behind. It's very behind. Yeah.
0: So, we had this hope, like, when we originally started talking about this two or three years ago, we, we started out with a number. We literally started out with a number of the co-ops that told us nationwide it would take to do this. And 100 billion. Yeah. 100 billion. Yeah. With a B. Yep. I mean, that's a lot. Now, this got into the, you know, we had this in the COVID relief package. I think this flirted with the infrastructure yep. bill. This was in build back better and now it's in the IRA. How much is it at now, Philip? 9.7 billion. A little bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of a, a, a step down from what we had
1: initially yep. said it was going to take. So, yeah, we need 10 times that if we're wanting to, you know, use this mechanism to close every co-op play in the country.
0: Yeah, you know, a billion dollars here, a billion dollars there. After a while, you're talking about some real money. Yes. But it is like, but like energy is big business in this country. More money goes into utility uh, issues than even our tax policy, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So I mean, this is like, if you're going to like want to do clean energy, it's not going to be cheap. So this nine point seven billion, but there's also like other money that would be going to rural, like to cooperatives,
1: into this, correct? Yeah. There's money for rural communities. There's money for you know individuals, for utilities. Uh, it really varies.
0: But those are specifically targeted to areas that you would consider agriculture, rural. I mean, do they yes. do they necessarily have to be co-op member owners or
1: on co-op service territories? So there is a separate forty billion dollars in agriculture, forestry, and rural communities to lower costs for families, create jobs, and reduce the dependence on fossil fuels.
0: Right, and I mean, and I mean, and as we sit here right now, we're not even entirely sure. Like, how, like if you say like this is like some of this money is going to go to a rural community, we don't really quite know the delivery method of that yet no. because. Once this bill passes, then there has to be a process for which the, you know, the, the agencies that are charged with distributing this money have to figure out how to do that. Yeah. And ideally, we'll figure out how to do that with accountability, uh, you know, making sure that this money is going to what it's supposed to be going to. And so that's going to take uh, some work.
1: Yeah, I mean, so this has a three hundred and sixty-nine billion dollar price tag to it. Whoa! How
0: much was that again? Three
1: hundred sixty-nine. <laughs> so, we're seeing, you know, all different kinds of rulemaking processes that are going to unravel in the coming months. Um, yes, we have rulemaking federally that needs to be figured out, but. There are also a lot of issues that need to be tackled on the state level too. Mm. Our state energy office is going to have to figure out and how they want to roll out some of these programs. Oh,
0: well, let's talk about that for a second. Our state energy office being the Division of Energy of the Department of Natural Resources, yes. Uh, our friends there, we work with that office a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've spent a lot of past of years talking to this director, Craig Redman, good guy, really wanting to do what's right by Missouri.
1: Um, so what is it that they have to be ready for? Well, there's a provision you can talk about, which Mm. are the green banks that they're going to have to look at. (laughs) I'd love to talk about the green banks. Um, yeah. So, okay.
0: Um, green banks, infrastructure banks, clean energy funds, potato, potato, whatever you want to call it. Uh, a trend has emerged over the past couple of decades where, State entities, cities, counties are trying to fill this gap in between, you know, like if you can get uh, traditional financing for an energy efficiency project or a renewable energy project like retrofitting your house, putting solar panels in your house, I mean, that's an option that you have if you have some affluence. For low-income customers, all they really get is whatever, like, benefit is afforded to them from the federal government for weatherization. Or, you know, some other subsidies like that. And that's usually administered, if not through the state, by a a local community action agency. There is this massive swath in between. Uh, One of the things that Renew Missouri has spent a lot of time working on, you have spent a lot of time working on, I have spent a lot of time working on, everyone in this group has spent a lot of time working on, is trying to fill in that gap of financing. Almost to the extent it feels like (laughs) we are kind of running you know, a financial group rather than a clean energy group sometimes. when I mean, we're talking about what we're advocating for policy-wise. Yes. Because it should be said, ultimately, this IRA bill that's, like, focused on clean energy is a lot of tax policy. It is a lot of money. I mean, we're, we're talking about, like, targeting that money, but in, in a way that's, like, kind of, like, um, you know, not earmarked, but there there are purposes for it. So part of filling in this gap... Of people being able to afford to, to transition to clean energy because I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it's easy. it's not. it's one of the biggest challenges of this is that states and cities and counties have set up these funds where they've gotten capitalization either from the state or from utilities because they, they kind of administer some sort of fee uh, or even from private sources. I mean there are there's a lot of private capitalization uh, out there for uh, you know kind of clean energy related projects. They put this money in there, they have like someone who administers it, and they try to find people who need this money to do these projects. Sometimes it's low to no interest loans, sometimes it can kind of appear as grants. This is, the, the phrase I will use is infrastructure bank, because that is the phrase uh, that the state of Missouri wants to use. <laughs> and I don't care what we call it, I think infrastructure bank is fine. Rhode yeah. Island, which much more liberal than uh, Missouri, that's what they call theirs. Yeah. So, that essentially would be, it's like a public-private partnership, or like sometimes it can be public. Right now, I think the the state of Missouri is trying to explore options about like being able to administer this without creating another entity, without creating another office. And I mean, and truthfully, there are a lot of like funds and agencies that are already doing like components of this. So, it's a matter of like kind of marshaling all those stuff together. I can tell you, like, the Department of Natural Resources has, like, an agreement between, um, between a bunch of different sections of their entities to make sure they can cooperate on this. So, I think I can say that. I can say that. Yeah. Uh, that should be a public record. Anyway, so we're working with them on that. Yep. But the idea would be that this $27 billion that's been, um, you know, kind of you know, appropriated in this bill would be eligible to states or cities or counties that have this. Type of fund or this type of bank set up, uh, and they would be able to use that to, um, you know, give people low interest loans, possibly grants. I'll tell you another thing that it could be used for, Philip. This is something that we've been kind of toying with and kind of exploring, or at least we have with the Office of Public Counsel, my old job, people we have a lot of, we have, uh, we're buddies with over there. Yep. We, we've spent a lot of time in the past couple of months talking about this concept of making the pay as you save program you know, taking it outside of the investor-owned utilities. Uh, because right now, uh, all of our major investor-owned utilities have got a PAYS program that they're implementing or getting off the ground or they're trying to, you know. I mean, everyone's got a PAYS program. Yep. But municipals don't have it. Co-ops don't have it. There might be some challenges to capitalization there. One thing the state of Colorado's Clean Energy Fund has done is taken PAYS, uh, it has got a PAYS tariff that they can capitalize for municipal utilities, and for co-ops.
1: Yeah, MUNI's, Fun fact! Munis can use a lot of help with it in particular. Uh, I mean, co-ops can get the benefit too, but they also have options available to them, some of which are part of the IRA benefits that they yes. can claim, uh, but they also have already had and will still have the best value proposition for pay as you save out of any utility type uh, thanks to... USDA and some of the great low-interest loans that they provide to co-ops that mm. our IOUs can't get, and depending on how strong your bond rating is for, you, for your municipality and your municipal utility, uh, you're probably not going to beat the federal government's rates.
0: Right. Because, I mean, their, their goal, I mean, they don't want to like, they're not necessarily trying to make money off of it, but they are trying to like, trying to cover their costs. Yeah. Make sure that this is not, like, you know, a complete wash for... I mean, they're, they're really... They are trying to, like, use this money
1: yeah, and, and efficiently. And ultimately, you know, if it went poorly, which we haven't seen anything to indicate that one would... No, no. The Member owners would be getting hit with that cost as opposed to if an IOU mm-hmm. does not something goes wrong, you have shareholders and other ways in right. a rate base to cover that, so... I'm sure there's some hesitance there, uh, hesitancy from our co-ops and wanting to take it on to make sure they do it right. But we've also seen a, you know, handful of really strong examples of co-ops having a super successful, profitable pays program, like our friends in Washita Electric down in Arkansas.
0: Yeah, um, Mark Casey, former Renew Guru. Yep. Um <laughs> So yeah, so I mean, but the idea would be that this pays tariff could be administered through this entity. That is so like. I mean that that is still like kind of a long way away, but like you know, rest assured, dear listener, we are always like trying to think about like when we come up with these ideas, like trying to make them long lasting, sustainable, make them beneficial to all Missourians. Because I know you hear us talk a lot about investor-owned utilities, know, yep. you think, what about us in these municipally owned areas or these co-op areas? Well, we are thinking about. It. It's just harder to do that in those places because they aren't being regulated from the statewide level where we can intervene in those cases.
1: Yep. Sorry. I mean, that's just, that's just yeah. how this is set up. But right. it is interesting in having you know, this infrastructure bank option, because mm. uh, if we could have that for pay-as-you-save, and if it's a state financing option or opportunity, as opposed to the federal government, that might be more attractive to our co-ops, especially as they're you know, being given this grand opportunity uh, to completely retire and reinvest away from fossil fuels, and get out of federal debt, get away from owing any money to the federal government. Sure. Yeah, so so they can maybe do both in taking advantage of the infrastructure bank to instead get it through to the state as opposed to federal government and then also take advantage of, you know, that grant program. It is absolutely my hope that somebody at the state of Missouri, and that we
0: finally do get this because I know this is something that uh, Governor Parson has encouraged his DNR yeah. Uh, Department of Natural Resources to look into and try to see if it can work. So we are happy that Governor Parson has set that out. Yes. But now is the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if anyone from DE is listening to this, and I think they are sometimes, especially when they see what we're talking about, we need to make sure that we are getting this in place. And, and and I've got some things I want I said I would look at to see if it was like an option for them to consider. But also, you know, we also want to make sure we know that um, whatever the federal legislation says, that we set up something that's going to correspond with that. Because yeah. this is, again, this, that money is not going to go to any states that don't have this set up. Right. And I mean, also, we can talk about our, you know, Renew Crew member, Elisa Greenwald, who is also working with our partners in Kansas City for the Energy Efficiency Investment Fund, EEIF. Uh, that is being set up over there um, and that might be eligible for this stuff too
1: that would be great too because Kansas City could use it
0: Kansas City could use it that's right um, I just I know that affordable housing is a big uh, mission of the uh, of the current administration there I just saw yesterday they had administered out some money to some um, you know housing advocate groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are constantly, we are really trying to work very hard to make energy efficiency a part
1: of the affordable housing equation in Kansas City. We're doing a
0: pretty good job of that in St. Louis. (laughs) Oh yeah, I mean,
1: Um. (laughs) I I think that's a big part of it too, and where the tension lies, because when you're looking at the building benchmarking and how well that's caught on between the two cities, Kansas City had it first, but St. Louis has been doing a better job.
0: They have. Um, and But, I mean, again, they need to be kind of war- – I mean, like, to me, I think it should be there, – there should be programs in those cities that people can be taking advantage of because there is funding available. Right. There is an apparatus available in both cities. And, I mean, and, I mean certainly I want to see this done at the statewide level. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I think you can also have – these groups, focusing on Kansas City
1: and St. Louis, with the state-led levels of kind of working with the rest of us. Yeah, definitely. And this, and, you know, the resources that we're getting from the IRA bill should help both in continuing that work and to upgrade the efficiency, you know, across uh, both cities. By
0: the way, I need some WD-40 for my seat, I think. It keeps squealing on me. So if you're wondering what that noise is, that's what it is. Um... (laughs) So, okay, yeah, that <laughs> that's the Green Bank uh, portion of it, which is something I have been working on for a couple of years now, um, I think probably longer than that, but I think uh, I kind of really started focusing on it when um, COVID hit and we couldn't lobby in uh, the Capitol, mm-hmm. and I, did, I had all this time, uh, and I was like, well, what can I work on with the governor's office? And this was like the first thing that came to mind, I'd been talking to our... Um, fellow friend holly neal who should be on this podcast she hasn't been on it yet but uh, i'd like to have her on here we we she was with the nature conservancy and that group is also very interested in the infrastructure bank yeah yeah so okay so roll as a co-op money
1: yep
0: you know trying to make sure they can do that clean energy transition money that is going to be able to be used by the states or other governments to kind of, like, help guide projects and help fund projects. Yep. Now, that's, like, what uh, the co-ops can do, what the cities can do, what, what the governments can do. What can, like, a person listening to this podcast well, do under
1: this? I will get to that. But real oh, quick, what? I just want to know <laughs> okay. that they're not done yet, so with mm. the... Uh, High-efficiency electric home rebate program. Our state energy office still has oh. uh, some work cut out for them. They have to want to participate in the program and take advantage of the 4.275 billion dollars available to them, which can be used for um, all different kinds of uh, efficiency rebates for homeowners. All right now I'm trying to throw out someone, so
0: let me try to think this out. Uh, hold on. So, okay, there's mo- <laughs> There's money. Yep, a little, a shade under five billion dollars. Again, not chump mm-hmm. change. That is going to be administered to, to state energy offices if they ask for
1: it. Yep, correct. And it would be specifically for multifamily properties. There are some eligibility requirements, uh, and we're you know in a really good spot in Missouri and doing weatherization work for multifamily. Properties as of now, as of, you know, recent COVID funds were Mm. flush with cash to go service these properties. So this will just be added value in what they can do. So we're putting that
0: money to work though, yes? Yes. Yeah. And so they're going to get more money.
1: Yep. Up to $14,000 per home if they qualify. Oh.
0: But the state of Missouri, Division of Energy, our friends, Department of Natural Resources, Mm -hmm. has to specifically make an ask of the federal government to receive any of this money.
1: Yes, and have to follow state implementation guidelines, which I'm sure they'll get once this is all finalized. Which we don't have. (laughs) Yeah. So, But they won't. But they, But I mean, because you're talking about, like, let's
0: see. Math is not my strong point, but I'm going to try to do a little bit of math here on Renew Gurus, folks. 4.75. This is compelling. Wait. Oh, my... (laughs) My calculator won't go this high. So you're divide that between. <laughs> if you're try that between fifty states, uh, <laughs> it's gonna probably go quickly. Help me out. Okay, let's say let's say five million. 5 billion. divided by fifty. Uh, is that a hundred million per state? Oh, let's try that. Hundred million. Oh boy. Boy, you folks are in for a treat. Oh, I won't do it. <laughs> um, we, we can find out. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe I just blew like 30 seconds of podcast time trying to do something on my calculator that I'm too stupid to do on my own, and I still couldn't do it. <laughs> okay. Four point seven five billion dollars going to the states. States have to request it. Mm-hmm. You're talking about up to fourteen thousand dollars for a multifamily project. Mm-hmm. That is for what? Is that for energy efficiency? Yep. Is that for electrification?
1: Uh, a little bit. Hmm. In, in the kitchen, uh, there are a few electric stove, cooktop, uh, electric ranges, ovens. Otherwise, it's all direct energy usage.
0: Um, okay, well, um, we just have to, yeah, I mean, we just need to, like, make sure
1: we encourage the state of Missouri yeah. to do that. And there's also the Homes Rebate Program, which the state Is also, that Hope for Homes? Uh, it's the Home Owner Managing Energy Savings Rebate Program. Well, tell me about that, Philip. So, this is looking at rebates for home energy retrofits, mm-hmm. up to $8,000 per Per home or eighty percent of project cost, uh, if the project saves at least thirty five percent for the home, so there is you know a percentage calculation there as well. If that eighty percent was less than the eight thousand dollars, they would go with that instead. Uh, but for single family, this is looking at um, the eight thousand dollars for measured energy savings. All right, oh, per that person. is. I think that is what I'm talking to. The yeah.
0: Well, maybe
1: is it? I don't know. Keep going. Um. <laughs> So it's part of it is uh, based on energy usage where um, the state, where the project is installed, where $2,000 would be awarded for 20% energy savings or 50% of the project cost. So it'll also be dependent on the state. So we're going to be dependent on state implementation, on where the rebates are ultimately going to line up. And they could be increased for low and moderate income households. Hmm. But again, we have all this money for multifamily specifically called out here. We have money already in the state for weatherization, so... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the state of Missouri would want to lean towards the single family side of this uh, over multifamily, but that's going to. This be also a includes expression.
0: worker training stuff, right? Um, this provision doesn't. Oh, on. what am I looking at? I'm I looking at the do. state based home energy efficiency contractor training grant.
1: Yes, that's oh, separate. But that's, that's separate. Also. A big part of this. Are also jobs. in here. So, yeah. <laughs> and there are a lot of other provisions looking at U.S. manufacturing, making sure we're having incentives for unions. So, to your point, and bringing this to the individual, we can look at what we can get with solar that isn't going to require any action from our state energy office, like these other rebate energy programs are going to for efficiency. I see. So, we have the investment tax credit, which is going to be at 30%. Uh huh. From now all the way until 2032 and it was at 26 percent this year without any action so it went up four percent and it's going to stay at that level for 10 years got
0: it you notice notice we had someone joining us on our third mic yep my dog is here yes um okay <laughs> from the energy 101 videos rosie owen um so, okay, that's all very exciting. Yeah. Now, back to where was I about individuals. Yeah, that, well, that is for individuals. Oh, okay. that is for, well, that is for yeah. well, that's yeah. a good segue. Yes. Because, uh, you know, one of the things that is an advantage to, uh, you know, if you're going to, like, become a solar customer, you're going to, like, get a solar array on your rooftop or mount it on the ground near your property We have these investment tax credits that had been, like, around 20, 23%. 26, 26. yeah. 26. Now they're going to be 30. Yep. Uh, And that's actually going to, like, go back to 2021. um, And that's going to go into the
1: 2030s. Yeah, twenty thirty-two. Before it
0: starts getting phased out again. Yep. Now, that is, like, if you were to put a solar, you know, you just put, like, solar uh, on your roof... Let's say that's twenty four thousand uh, dollar. This is easy math for me because I actually already did this. You put in in twenty four thousand uh, dollar thing, uh, you know, array on your property. You get like seventy two hundred dollars back, okay, like at the end of the year. Tax, tax break. It's not bad at all. Not bad. Really does help with yeah. that pay with that uh, with you know that uh, with your you know, being able to pay that off with 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 your savings. Yep.
1: So that's good. And there's also a really nice provision here, too. If you're someone who wants to get a little more out there and dabble with the new technologies, uh, standalone energy storage is also eligible for the credit for oh. batteries that are at least uh, three kilowatt hours of capacity.
0: Because those are still a little expensive.
1: Yeah. But it's all, it's a 30% tax credit for those, too. So you can get a big benefit from that. Yep.
0: I should also... And, and, like, the battery thing is significant because I think it should be important to know... In addition to this law, we're, we're, we're currently working, and well, pretty much everyone on our team is working on the Evergy rate case, yep. and they have proposed a residential battery storage pilot where if you are an Evergy customer, you would be able to get a battery storage, uh, you know, get battery storage in your house,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, you know, they would be able to, like, to do that work and figure out how that's going to, like, how that would be a larger program. Yep. Which is, which is, we are supportive of, we're really excited about that, and we hope that they, that, uh, that case, I think, starts in two weeks from Monday, and so we will hopefully get that resolved, and Evergy can do that. Yeah. That's separate from the IRA, but I wonder, I wonder, would they be able, I mean, I know that, like, that's Evergy's providing the battery mm-hmm. storage the residential customer, I wonder if that could be used to help with that, because they will have to pay extra
1: for that, under
0: that pilot
1: the customer will uh, they might be able to then oh well maybe we should um but it uh will not be available until 2023 ah so if you want to do it this year folks i would wait on your uh storage component cuz the tax credit's staying the same it's not going to change next year so uh, might as well wait might as well wait till 2023 yep uh-huh Good to go. I really don't even know like how long
0: it takes to get that. Like, if there's a wait for it. You know, could be twenty. 20- I mean, Philip, we are in August. It is yeah. month eight of uh, month eight. Whew, it's been a long week. Uh, <laughs> month eight of uh, of of twenty twenty two. So I mean, like you know, you could like be spending a couple months getting ready yeah. for this. And right, right, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So. But there's also because we're also like you know getting into like things like electric vehicles. Yep. If you're interested in an electric vehicle, is there any kind of tax opportunity for you there, Philip Vrsica?
1: There is.
0: Ooh, tell me more. Once you find it. Yeah. Let's see. So I know
1: there isn't. Feel new like I'm watching break. Fred on the Howard Stern show, try to find that right <laughs> noise on his uh, on a soundboard. Well, I don't have the, uh, the dollar <laughs> amounts in front of me, but no! I, I believe it was around $7,000 for an EV credit, but there were a lot of requirements around U.S. made and manufactured cars.
0: And you also, it's also, you can't, it, it won't work if you got, your buying one that's over $55,000, I think. Yep, there is. And a, I think there's some it. means testing for that. Yep. And when I say means testing, I mean like, you know, you can't be making too much money to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it does have to be domestic. Yeah, exactly. Well, dang, man, it's hard to find an EV anyway.
1: So here, we yeah. So it's seventy five hundred dollars. It's close. You were very close. Uh-huh. Very nice job, thanks. Um, <laughs> and you can also be eligible for a four thousand dollar credit. Oh. In addition to that, and I think
0: what I understand is like instead of waiting to like take advantage of that tax season, they'll give that to they they. There's an opportunity like the the, the dealer has to kind of either like they can have like they can kind of, like convert that tax credit for their own use and give you the money, I think.
1: Yep. Right? There was also... Previously, there was a cap of 200,000 vehicle cap before they could start giving it out. That has been removed. Oh, okay. So that should help. Hmm. Um,
0: Let's see. And there's also, like... Okay, well, go ahead. Keep looking.
1: Don't let me stop you. You're doing great. Oh, yeah. So the other part that was interesting... To your point, yes. Um, so, for <laughs> vans, SUVs, or pickup trucks, they can't exceed eighty thousand dollars. Eighty thousand. Well, to your point, while other types can't cost more than fifty five. Oh, okay, probably. I was right about that. Yeah. And then used EVs could be eligible if they cost no more than twenty five thousand dollars. That's probably not likely since. As many of you probably know, the used car market is not great right now. And the
0: used EV market is probably pretty scant, would be my guess. (laughs) since EV
1: adoption is still low. Yeah, I mean, I think finding a used EV might be tough. Yeah. Um, So with all these tax credits for new ones anyways, you you might as well take advantage of a newer EV and get that tax credit as opposed to a, you know, $20,000
0: used EV yeah, I mean, also, like, because, you know, we are, I mean, like, I know gas uh, gas prices are going down, but it is, <laughs> I hear people's like, like, oh, they're only, like, 374, it's like, well, that's still, like, a lot, um, we should yeah. be trying to wean ourselves off of that altogether.
1: Yeah, and, right? that, and that's a big piece of what they're really trying to do here, is incentivize people moving away from the volatility of fossil fuel markets. That's right, because it is volatile, yeah.
0: I mean, not to mention, because, and again, another thing that I think you and I were kind of talking about yesterday uh, was there are going to be rebates for individuals to take advantage of, like, for energy efficiency
1: upgrades. Yes. Yes? Yeah, the, but those are the ones that we just talked about and having to get approved oh. and administered through the state energy office. Did I
0: blank out during that? <laughs> it is pretty wonky. I well, know, like, yeah. <laughs> I hope you're not driving. Uh, I hope you have not been on the road for a long time because you got might have gotten highway hypnosis listening to that. Um, but no, there is like some stuff about. Oh, we gotta be careful how we say this word, electrification.
1: Yes. So, but there is some electrification yes. stuff in this bill. Yes. Okay. So I will just say to that point, <laughs> our friends from Energy Innovation have said this. Mm, and I will yes. quote them. Okay. And they please. Said, uh, the transition to a cleaner electricity mix driven by this legislation is projected to insulate ratepayers from swings and natural gas prices.
0: Ah, yes, which have been we're talking about swings have been a little high. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, and that's not like, I mean, like, look, that's not like a shock to anybody if you live in like, well, I mean, like most of the most of the gas companies in this state, or private, or or investor-owned, and they all go to the uh, Public Service Commission, Spire and Airman Gas. It's like, I mean, Spire's in front of the PSC right now on a rate case to increase rates. Um, You know, and a lot of that volatility was caused by Winter Storm Uri, as we call it in the biz, Mm -hmm. or you might know it as that time in February of 2021 when it was really cold (laughs) uh, for a week. And... um, But, like, during that period of time, natural gas froze. Uh, The wells were unusable. You know, these are things that are, like, real problems. These are not, like, imaginary environmentalist concerns. These are things that we can point to and say, yes, this happened. Yes, this could probably still happen. Because it's not as though weather is becoming more normal.
1: Right. Look at St. Louis recently.
0: (laughs) As I was pointing out to somebody, uh, one of our staff members in St. Louis... Which is like saying, like, oh, you know, the weather's not so bad here. I'm like, it was 90. You had a heat advisory, and it was like a thunderstorm with a flood warning coming. Yeah. That is not a normal set of
1: circumstances, no matter where you live. And as we've been talking to folks across <laughs> the state and talking to more folks in rural communities, mm-hmm. as we've been doing more work with, you know, those groups mm. uh, and their utilities, yes. we've heard more, uh, you know... Comments from farmers saying how their cycles have shifted. Yeah, I mean, like, they are, and I I was, I forgot who I was saying this to
0: earlier today. I mean, you won't hear farmers talk about climate change. You will hear them say, you know, I can't fertilize until much later. I'm cutting hay in November. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Like, this is not stuff that you were doing 20 years ago. You weren't, I know, because my family's been... Because you
1: were doing it. (laughs) Yeah, my family's
0: been doing farming for 45 years, and this is not, like, a traditional, you know, like, what you're seeing is with crops, with hay, uh, or the fact, like, as an example, we were talking to someone last week, you have, you know, like, cattle going into heat and breeding at weird times, which is thus leading to calves being born during extreme cold temperatures which is very dangerous and usually will lead to a bunch of dead calves sorry to like get all weird and morbid on this podcast but that's what happens um and that's not helpful because that's how farmers make their money off of cattle (laughs) so dead cattle frozen cattle is not
1: helpful yep Pro tip. It's not good. <laughs> Straight
0: from Webster County. <laughs>
1: you know, and we had supply chain issues in COVID around meat, too. I'm sure things like that aren't going to help if we see that again.
0: No. No, it's not. I mean, like, yeah, because, I mean, again, like, yeah, we did have, like, these problems with, like, our food supply during COVID. These changes in how weather operates is going to
1: only get worse. Yeah. So, we can avoid... That gloom and doom in our future by mm. taking advantage of these great energy saving programs and money saving <laughs> programs while they're available.
0: But that's the thing too. None of this stuff is required of no. anyone to do. No. This is a lot of tax breaks, tax incentives. Yeah, you know, we are we are you know, for 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 entities like municipalities and rural edge cooperatives, we are like kind of trying to adjust how these incentives work because they can't take advantage of tax credits because they don't pay taxes. Right. So, you know, we are, we are trying, you know, so they're trying to give people a reason to do this. Yes. We don't know if they're going to do this as we sit here. I mean, like, we've already gotten, or I've already gotten a number of phone calls and emails saying, well, what does this mean for my utility? What does it mean for me? I mean, what I was hoping we could do with this podcast a little bit is kind of lay out the groundwork for what we think this is
1: going to do. Yeah. To, like, have you ready for it? I mean, it gives a lot of opportunities for individuals. Um, yes. In those specific programs that we listed. But there are also going to be many rulemaking processes that we'll be mm. getting engaged with. And I am quite positive there will be opportunities for public engagement, public comment. And we'll be letting you all know about that when those are available, when they are. I'm sure we'll give some sample comments as well on uh, various policies and recommendations we'd like to make to make sure that you can get the best benefit from these programs.
0: That's right. Um, and, you know, so, and it does, I mean, and, you know, we also, I think what Renew Missouri is going to try to do is we're going to very much try to take a, an endeavor over the over the fall and the spring to, like, do podcasts like this, to do mailers, to educate people about what they can do. Yep each individual thing on this so you will have resources for that because look i know it's not easy you've got things going on in your life you're busy so like just trying to sit down and figure out like what am i eligible for like you know like having to dig through and try to find this stuff is not something
1: you may be inclined to do yeah so we're
0: gonna to try to make that easy
1: and one other angle of this oh are looking at a, a new job Or getting into a new career. Yes. This bill is looking at creating at least one point five million new jobs by twenty thirty in manufacturing, construction, and service industries. And that's ranging from, you know, making renewable energy projects, making electric vehicles, working and installing these jobs, doing construction in various capacities.
0: Which I mean is great. And I mean and like look, it's one of the things that we we preach here at Missouri is that clean energy is like something that is good for the economy, it's good for workforce development. But let's let's talk Turkey here, Philip. Um, we we see a we see a little bit of a dearth in the job market right now with the, with with supply. Yeah. Not to like be so gross to call like people working supply, but that's like what it is. There's people leaving the workforce. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people who might not be trained to do this stuff. Right. There is training opportunities in here. Mm-hmm. But you know, ultimately, and I was just you know, I was on a meeting before this, like talking about how we are going to. One thing Renew is always trying to do is trying to develop a network uh, of energy contractors and auditors, not just as a way for them to like kind of know what's going on with the rest of the state, but also to like provide training and educational opportunities for people trying to get into this work. That we this is now it's got to be done right now. Yeah, because this money is coming. These opportunities are here. It, it, it has this potential to really be like a, a benefit to a lot of people who might be trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do, yeah. um, you know, in the, in the workforce? This is this something that's a viable career for me? And I believe it, it could be if we're doing things to get that knowledge to people.
1: Yeah, and I think this will. Couple very nicely with the increased weatherization dollars in the state, mm-hmm. and with our you know robust efficiency programs, especially the pays programs being offered, and having more you know installers, auditors, um, contractors doing that work. So as we you know see these opportunities grow for new op- job opportunities within the IRA bill and all these programs people can take up, um, it's really going to help us not see a job loss because uh-huh. we had that when weatherization dollars you know back in. 2010 and a lot of folks r- lost federal dollars in weatherization oh yeah and uh, once that ran out you know out of you know recession relief funds yeah dollars once that dried up they all lost their jobs and had to go elsewhere move states and now they've been trying to hire back up out of the covid yeah. relief to get folks back so yeah really Th- that that, keep...
0: that kind of like hot and cold losses yeah. is yeah. not
1: going to work so if we can stop that with these various programs coming online and give all of these people opportunities to stay in the industry or new people to come in and learn these skills and, and do this work, uh, it'll really help us to have success because we need more people to do it because it's a pretty, pretty big deal and a lot of money, a lot of dollars here. So we're going to need people to get up and, and do it.
0: And I think, you know, I and was, I was just on a... Um, I was on a TV, I was saving a TV program yesterday It's going to air probably before this podcast comes out, but we will be sharing these clips around, and I was asked by the host about this, and everybody else on there was like kind of spewing out these kind of talking points about like, eh, this is like, this is not solving inflation, and blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, look, I mean, when you look at, I mean, I think what it comes down to with clean energy, and you talking about volatility in markets, volatility in supply, you yep. know, Just the other day, I was reading a statement from a Florida Power and Light executive who said that clean energy is one of the great deflationary tools we have because it does kind of create this kind of new form of resiliency that is not so reliant on things that are so dependent on weather. Yeah. Believe it or not, like wind and solar is often more reliable then like let's say natural gas
1: during weather uh, events well and to bring it back to missouri yes something we didn't bring up earlier but mm. The thomas hill plant has had two of its oh. three units down for months this summer
0: months and months now, months you say yes
1: okay <laughs> various co-ops have been posting <laughs> you, you know, know social posts saying you know turn up your thermostat 75 78 degrees when we're in a heat wave uh, you know, don't run your washer and dryer, don't clean your clothes, don't clean your dishes right now, don't cook dinner, wait till later, go out to eat, uh, and various things to change your life because they can't meet up with the demand with right. their fossil fuel plants. Which, by the way... On a hot, sunny day. On a hot, sunny day, which is not be a surprise in Missouri in the summer. No. We're not exactly Nova Scotia here. But you know what does really well on those uh, days where the sun's out till 8 p.m.?
0: Hmm. Do I have a hint?
1: I think you did. It's solar? Yeah. Oh,
0: wow. What do I win? No, because what's amazing is because you hear, you see those, yes, we have seen those messages on social media from the co-ops telling us that they're having these problems and they they want their member owners to do this. But then when they go into the, the state capital in Jefferson City and they start talking about like, oh my gosh. Coal and gas are so reliable. And nuclear. Well, yeah, I mean, and nuclear are so much more reliable than wind and solar. But then, the very mix they have is basically them going back to you as a member-owner and saying, Oh, by the way, can you, like, literally not do anything (sighs) while it's warm outside? Yes. So, it makes me think... That might not be as resilient as they are telling
1: lawmakers. Precisely. So it seems like a more the most and more resilient option is to diversify your portfolio.
0: Mm. I'm, I'm, I can't. You know, man, who's been saying that? We've been saying that for a while. I can't. No, no. I don't know. I'll have to think about that. I'll I'll put that in my calculator. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, like, look, this is the future. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say this bill is going to solve
1: the climate problem. But this is a big step. And we also aren't saying we're going to be 100% renewable by tomorrow, but we need to do more. And this gives us all the tools and levers to do it without any sticks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, these are carrots. Yes. These are, I mean, and I think that's a better policy tool than just telling people you've got a mandate, you've got a directive to do this. I think that works a lot better when people feel
1: like they have some ability to have control over this. Yeah, have some agency in you know what their community is doing. They're not being told what to do. Yeah, I don't to want to tell anybody ship. what to do. Yeah.
0: I do think this happens to be the best option.
1: Yeah, I do think this is a very good
0: idea. But by no means do do I think that like that I, you know like don't let anyone tell you this is forcing clean energy on anybody. If you think it makes it too easy, well then I think that's a good thing. Yeah. So,
1: any any closing thoughts? I would just like to give us a pat on the back. Ah, cuz this is our first time engaging in federal policy and we got a win.
0: Man, we knocked it out of the park. <laughs> no, and seriously, like look, I and we've had some of these folks on here but uh and and, and you know, and everyone on Renew Missouri, on Renew Missouri's team has kind of been working On some of these projects, but like, Philip, you have been working a lot with this Rural Power Coalition on this. We have been working with groups like Cure out of Minnesota, Work, which is a really kind of a national group, but it's really got to focus on the Western states. Um, Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, um, Appalachian Voices, their Tennessee office. I am leaving someone Mountain out. Mountain
1: Association.
0: Mountain. Oh my gosh, Mountain Association. Yeah, our friend Chris Woolery. Um, we've been working with those people as well as some other national partners for two years and two months. Yeah. On this piece of legislation, so many times have we like texted each other. After Joe Manchin has been on. Face the nation, saying I'm not gonna vote for this bill. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> and just like, what are we gonna do now? Like, we we have <laughs> we have worked with like federal lobbyists, we have worked with all these other partners, we have worked with senators, we've worked with co-ops. Yeah. From other parts of the country, we won't say who. We don't want to get them in trouble because like they're they've kind of stuck their necks out for us on some Got things. Got to talk to
1: people at the White House too. So yeah, we've good. been
0: on the phone call yeah. to the White House, and it's gonna be done. Yep it's amazing it could I mean like I've been saying this I think I said this in an email from last week but it could be the biggest thing this group has ever done Um, obviously it wasn't just us doing it and we have done a lot of really good substantial meaningful things at the statewide level and I'm not trying to take away from any of that but this is a
1: big deal and we're not Uh. taking credit for everything in here but specifically the (laughs) 9.7 billion dollars for rural electric cooperatives was that
0: I think that we can take credit for yes yes, we can (laughs) Because we worked that yeah. thing like a rented mule and we've been fighting for it for two years. And yeah. I, you know also to point out I mean because I think that she gets a bad rap from other parts of the state of Missouri for maybe not like for being too centered on St. Louis or being too centered on woke politics. but the congress person who helped us write this particular piece of legislation is congresswoman Cory Bush yep her staff worked with us. We needed someone to help draft that. They stepped to the plate and they did it, and it got in there. Yep. So I don't, you know, I know that it probably doesn't help us politically in other rural parts of the state to like name check her, but I feel I I feel like it would be doing a disservice not to say because she is a a a lawmaker who is very deeply committed to this
1: to this to this topic and to this issue. And when we see, you know, urban-rural divide. It's nice seeing someone who would be labeled in an urban area to yes. be, uh, you know, working on legislation that doesn't cover. She's been a lot labeled
0: of worse. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, there aren't, not many of her constituents are at co-ops, uh, no. and it's something that they had concern about, if at all. Right. Uh, and working on this, but saw the benefit to Missourians as a whole, and decided to, you know, take the lead on it.
0: Because this, even though this is all going to rural electric cooperatives. This is something that ultimately benefits the nation as a whole because I do believe, you know, r- rural Missouri, rural America is at this, this point where we got to figure out like what is its future. Um, the, the Rural um, Electrification Act in 1936 helped define the future for rural America and made it a viable part of the economy back when like investor utilities did not want to have anything to do with it. Yeah, and that was a really good, important thing. It's the reason why I was able to grow up where I grew up Um, but now it is at another point where we've got to say we have to continue pushing this forward yeah and there's people moving into rural areas who want to like work remotely and if they don't have
1: good if they don't have these options they don't have broadband um, you also need to really integrate well with a lot of these programs too if you don't have internet access you're not going to get the best benefit from some of these great energy saving opportunities
0: um, yeah, right, and so this is a big deal, yeah. I think, and I know uh, we don't get a lot of wins <laughs> uh, at the federal level, uh, but I think you all listening to this should, um, if you have supported our group, if you have, uh, you know, you've given us five bucks, if you've ever, like, told somebody about our group, you helped contribute to this success. Yes. Okay, we can stop bragging ourselves. Right? Okay. <laughs> I do feel a little uncomfortable doing it, but we did, we did an amazing job. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty Good exciting. for us. <laughs> I mean, even just getting,
1: getting bills passed in the state legislature is a huge deal, and this what? is the first time ever in the space, so the fact that we got something at all, I'm still we Yeah, I shop. mean, the fact
0: that we got two positive bills passed this session in Missouri yep. was a big deal. The fact that we got securitization the year before is a yep. big deal. This is man. We might not ever be involved with something this good again. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So but, it's pretty exciting, but our work is just beginning on it. Oh my gosh, we have so much more to do. We have so much more to do. And that's where we're going to need your help. Yes. To anyone listening, uh-huh. we are going to be unroll we're going to be rolling out uh some of this work, you know, kind of some of these things that we've been discussing, we've been kind of teasing it for a while, but now um our presence in rural Missouri is going to become
1: very substantial indeed. Yep. I mean, you're going to get to hear about that. And you're going to get to meet some new folks, but we'll have more mm-hmm. to come on that later. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh,
0: well, we've been going a long time yep. on this podcast. We've been doing this an hour, right?
1: Almost, yep. Almost it's about an hour. That time.
0: Yeah, I try not to keep these things over an hour because I know, like,. Um, you know, it's a lot, but we have a lot of information to talk about, and we mm-hmm. only did like really like kind of get into like self-aggrandizing for like a minute. So, folks, if you're hearing this, you want to get more information. We are going to be providing that information. If you have specific questions, we'll answer those. If you like this or you think that somebody would take you would would um, you know would benefit from hearing this, subscribe to us. That helps like bring us up on these uh, on these uh, podcast networks. Leave a review. That helps too. Put it on your social media because you think this is going to be helpful for you. It could be helpful for somebody else. On behalf of Renew Missouri, uh, this is James Owen. And I just want to say, go Inflation Reduction Act!